quick question for you. Hey, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Can you dig it? Yes, guy. Can you dig it? Yes, guy. The man with the words you've been dying to hear. Yes, guy. This is the Yes Guy Show with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Can you dig it? Oh. Yes, guy. Welcome to another weekend. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you on the count of three. Let's do it. One, two, three. Yes, guy. Perry, how are you? Jim, man, you are stoked for today's shows. I haven't heard that enthusiasm since we began the program. What's up? <laughs> That's because this is the only thing I'm doing all weekend, so I've got I to gotta cram all my energy into an hour. I don't have to gap it out like I normally do. So I'm I'm revved for today's show. We're going to have Charles Park, one of our sponsors, on very shortly to talk about the real estate market, the spring real estate market. Dr. Gordon Bloom from the Sports Psychology Department at McGill will join us later on, and also Ken Cressida, my co-host on Tennis Talk Canada, celebrating Leila Fernandez's first professional uh, tennis win. So there's plenty to talk about there. And then, of course, the obligatory, what I call it the uppercut, the left uppercut, yes guy, no guy. How about that for a boxing term? I call it the left-go uppercut, and it's coming your way, man. Okay? Be ready. That was pretty good for you. (laughs) Oh, come on, guy. No, come on, guy's another show. This is Yes Guy. (laughs) Boy, I'm really going to have to be on my toes today because you've got so much energy. It's like I said, I've had a cup of coffee. I didn't say that, but I've had my, my coffee for the day. I do this and then zip until Monday night. So look out. I've got all the, I mean, I'm, I don't think I'll walk today. I think I'll run. <laughs> well, you've had a busy weekend. I'm sure we'll be talking about Monday night in the Yes Guy, No Guy segment. Oh, absolutely. And uh, the Raptors trade deadline passed. And just a, a general thought on that, I thought they did what they could. I, I didn't really know where the Norman Powell thing was going to go. I just thought it, it might get a little more in return because there seemed to be a lot of interest. But I guess you could say that the uh, the NBA market is true uh, and they got the, the proper return. I was hoping that it would turn into an NHL type thing where the bidding would, would uh, drive up the price. But I don't think that happens in the NBA. So I'm happy with what they did there. And, and the Kyle stuff, um, I really believe that you know as a franchise player there might be another way to to deal with this going down the road we'll deal with that a little later on what are your thoughts on that i think there's all kinds of different directions with that they could keep him signing for another two years they could yeah. sign and trade him um they can't let him walk as a free agent that would be the worst scenario of all so i'm sure they've got different at the very the very least i think he's coming back i would hope so and i just you know i i'm a little sentimental here because we've seen so many uh, franchise players for Toronto uh, sports teams over the years have bad exits, and I, and I just want to know. I, I just I not want to know, but I I have to believe because of how the Raptors operate that they're going to find a way to rise above that and do the right thing. It would be very nice to have a, a good ending to one of those stories because they're few and far between. Yeah, I think because of the relationship with uh, Masai Ujiri, and of course that's another story. I just think there was a lot of respect saying, if we're going to get rid of Kyle Lowry, we really have to get the players we want, and they couldn't get. And at the end of the day, if he comes back, he's still, you know, he's one of the best point guards you know, in the league, and obviously he's their team leader. So there, there's a lot of ways to look at that trade. If you like Kyle Lowry, like I said, I think he may be coming back. 
Yeah, we'll explore that later on. Looking for an experienced real estate agent, Charles Park Managing Broker, REMAX West Realty Brokerage, has 26 award-winning years of real estate experience. So, looking for the highest level of knowledge, experience, and service? Put Charles Park in your corner. Visit charlespark.ca or call or text him at 647-292-8886. Servicing from Hamilton to Kingston, from Toronto to Muskoka, Charles Park will not be outworked by anybody. And, in fact, he's with us now. Charles, how are you today? I'm great, Jim. How are you? Uh, very good. So let's talk about, because it was on the CTV National News last night, the spring market. Just a, like a, a brief summary of how you would describe what's happening now. Well, I think uh, everyone that's in the market can feel, the, whether you're a buyer or a seller, depends what side of the uh, transaction you're actually on. If you're a seller, you're having a great time right now because uh, the multiple offers are alive and well and uh to tell you the truth, the, the vast majority of calls that I get uh, have to do with multiple offer scenarios, uh, both on the listing and buying side. But if you're a buyer in this market, it is very challenging for you right now. Uh, but a lot of people are in, are in both situations. They're, they're sellers uh, that need to buy or have already sold and need to buy. And then there's buyers that, you know, they don't want to sell until they bought something. So it's, a, it's challenging on both sides. You know, Charles, I find this very intriguing because – we're going through a pandemic in which people have lost their jobs, and yet this market is like going crazy. How do you explain the fact that there's so much volatility activity at a time when some people are just barely holding on? So I'm glad you asked that question. It, it, I think what the market has done is proven all the skeptics wrong. You know, a while ago, before the pandemic, people were blaming the, the robust uh, price gains on foreign investors and all sorts of, uh, you, know, you know, ideas that it, it's, it's people from out of the country that were driving up prices. Well, they haven't been able to get into the country for the last year. So uh, we can see that our local market, the people that are actually here, uh, are driving uh, the prices. And to be quite honest, the, the, the home has never been more important during the pandemic. If you can actually uh, relate to the, the, the families who absolutely like – the home is such an instrumental tool now. It is where you, you – know, for parents – it is their school uh, for for you know it, for people that are in sports. I, I'm, look, I'm looking at I was just doing statistics on uh, people with pools. Uh, it's it's where you recreate you have recreation and you entertain yourself. It's where you eat. It's it's so important. It's more important than it has ever been in the history of our industry. You know, you, you touched on some stuff there, Charles. I mean, when you think of it, uh, living styles have obviously changed because, for the most part, we've been isolated for a year. Work uh, styles have changed because because of that, so you work at home. So so two things that, that may not have been a factor before. Uh, the living style, you were always uh, in transit somewhere, and now you're, you're, you're locked in, and, and the work you can, you can do at home. Now, a lot of this stuff will stick to the wall. I've I got to believe that a lot of uh, businesses going forward will allow you to work at home. So, so your space, your living space, and your backyard for recreation, these are things that weren't high priority before, but they are now, aren't they? Absolutely. So, uh, as I just mentioned, I was doing some statistics on uh, houses with pools, and so the, the number of homes with swimming pools, and this used to be one of those, uh, you know, stigmatic factors, whether you wanted a pool or not, it has never been in more higher demand. On average, and I'm looking at the New Market, Milton, and then Uxbridge, just as, as areas where my agents have kind of, uh, you know, pushed out to uh, with their buyers. The average price in some of these markets have increased in the last 12 months by $200,000. And, 
and the demand, actually, if you actually call a pool uh, company today, I think there's only one or two other pool companies that, I, that I've been in touch with that are even able to install a pool with, you know, sometime, anytime this year. Charles, um, we just talked before about Kyle Lowry, and Kyle Lowry, insofar as uh, basketball is concerned, he recently sold his house. It was a mansion, something like about $10 million. How did you read that in terms of, was he just trying to take advantage of the market or was it a sign that he thought he was leaving? I can't get into the head of Kyle Lowry, but uh, having uh, seen a lot of uh, these uh, sports figures and, and the, the, the real estate, we have a, an unusual perspective uh, in the real estate market. We can actually see a lot more than the general public can see. Uh, so I've come across a, a number of celebrities who have um, um, sold their properties. You've you, you got to imagine somewhere uh, that if there was a possibility that this would have been, uh, you know, an encumbrance uh, to his departure from the city. Uh, but also, uh, having said that, um, <laughs> if, if you're a wise business person and you're looking at this market, you might want to think, geez, uh, is this a good time to sell? Because look at the market right now. So uh, for, for people who want to cash out, this is probably an opportune time to do it because Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, I, I'm just fascinated by this whole discussion because, it, I mean, there's a real shift here. So uh, also you'll hear on the news about what we used to call cottages or secondary properties, maybe not secondary anymore. And that market is absolutely booming, isn't it? It's an interesting fact. Uh, I recently became a member of uh, the 22 real estate board that surround the GTA. And uh, looking at their statistics, I'm looking at the, like the Lakelands board, for example, where a, a traditionally $1 million or $1.5 million lakefront property is now going for somewhere in the range of $3 million. Hmm. That is an extraordinary price gain because you, what you've got is you've got this migration of uh, Torontonians who can now work from home. Uh, I actually I was just uh, speaking to someone who uh, uh, is actually living out of their cottage, uh, actually in the Peterborough area. And uh, she ended up getting uh, like a wireless, uh, high, you know, Wi-Fi uh, service to their cottage. They actually had to run an extension cord out to the dock to, to get the feed. But uh, because they're able to work from home and, the, and the, no one's been called into the offices, like I was just trying to get down into the, the pass system uh, in downtown Toronto the other day, and it's a ghost town, and it, it, it's been a ghost town for the last year. I don't know when we're going to go back to work. I'm hoping sometime maybe this summer when uh, we all start to get vaccinated. But in the meantime, people are enjoying and, and, and getting accustomed to working from home. And wherever that home is, whether it be in your cottage or whether it be in a, uh, in a three or 4,000 square foot home that you've just purchased in Barrie or something like that, uh, the commute is no longer a factor. Charles, uh, look into your crystal ball and tell me when uh, the COVID's gone and the government, federal government, provincial government, all these levels of government have to start getting money, will they start taxing sales of homes? That is a very interesting question. There's actually uh, John D. Michelle, who's our CEO of the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board, just actually posted uh, uh, an article that addresses this exact issue. Um, we got to look at our neighbors just south of us. Uh, they, they do have a capital gains tax on their primary residence, but you also have to qualify that. They're also able to, to, uh, to write off the interest, the mortgage interest, against uh, their property. So it's really got to go hand in hand. It's it, it is uh, probably an unpopular idea. I think anybody that wants to get reelected 
might want to hide <laughs> from that election uh, campaign because they're going to be a lot of angry people if they're going to have to pay capital gains on their principal residence because we've enjoyed for for since the beginning of time that uh, and especially with these ca- these these gains that people are enjoying right now because. And also, we should also qualify that as well, because if you actually transfer your equity into another principal residence, the argument is you shouldn't be taxed on it because you are still living in the property. If you are cashing out, that might be the possibility where you'll see that uh, uh, implemented. So you're, you're good at summing, uh, summing things up, he said. Um, so uh, if you could maybe hand out uh, verbally right now a couple of pieces, I don't want to say of advice, but a couple of things that people should be careful about in the market right now? It, once again, it depends on what side you're on. Uh, a lot of the, the clients that uh, my agents uh, are dealing with right now are in a situation where, and we're experiencing tremendously low inventory levels right now, and that could be uh, for a number of reasons. There are a lot of people that are afraid to sell right now because they don't want people in their homes. So, uh, but, the, but the demand to buy is, uh, is, is higher than ever. We don't even have people immigrating to the city right now. And look at the demand. It's unbelievable. So my, my caution to people who are thinking of buying and selling is, is that we don't have crystal balls. If we did and we could predict the future, we'd all be rich. But uh, you know what? If you're buying and selling in the same market, you're, you're really uh, protected because you've got the equity in your home usually. Uh, and if you're not moving too far from where you're um, living uh, currently, uh, you're buying and selling in a hot market. So you're going to get a top dollar for the sale of your home. Uh, you may have to pay top dollar for the home that you're trying to move into. For those people who are looking to cash out because they have, uh, you know, secondary properties and things like that, this may be an opportune time uh, to, to offload some of those properties with the pending uh, possibility that a, a capital gains tax might be, uh, you know, put forward in the legislature. So um, it depends on, on what side of the equation you are. If you're a first-time home buyer, I will say this. The condominium market, it took, like, we were looking at 8 to 10% um, uh, price hit on condos in the downtown core. Yeah, po- condos were not popular during the pandemic. We get it. Uh, I've, I've received personally a number of calls from uh, condo owners who uh, wanted to, you know, move into a bigger space. They didn't want to occupy an elevator with anybody else. But that is starting to turn around now. And my prediction is, is once the, the borders open back up again, on the affordability alone, condominiums are going to be on the surge of a major comeback. So if you're a condo owner right now thinking of selling, you might want to think again and uh, just you know, hold out a little bit longer to see if uh, uh, once the order, borders open back up to see uh, what, uh, how much your, your condo is going to go up by. And I think it's going to close the gap. The gap between going to a condo to uh, something freehold uh, is going to get closer for them. Uh, but if you're in the freehold market right now and you're just buying and selling in the same market, uh, you're pretty protected. But I do feel bad for the first-time home buyer. Charles, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Charles Park. So if you are an experienced real estate agent, not only can this guy buy and sell, but if you are an experienced real estate agent looking for comprehensive value and a distinct advantage, contact Charles Park, managing broker, REMAX West Realty Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring for a confidential interview. And if you want to buy or sell, call 647-292-8886 or email charles at remaxwest.net. Coming up next, we'll have Dr. Gordon Bloom on from the Sports Psychology Department at McGill. This is Yes Guy, T. TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. You're listening to The Yes Guy Show. Yes Guy. On TSN 1050. Hey, I'm gonna take my horse to the 
Yes, Guy, Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko, TSN 1050. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 30 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money and get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. All right, let's bring in Dr. Gordon Bloom now. He is part of the sports psychology department at McGill. Doctor, how are you today, sir? Not too bad. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. I, I just want, like, as an overview, tell me about the McGill sports psychology program and, and what it does. Well, basically, we try and see how people can optimize performance in sport. Sometimes we look at domains outside of sport, but it's basically sport-related and how you think and feel influences how you perform. So kind of from the chin up. Dr. Bloom, you hear so much in sports now the term mental coach. You also hear the term performance coach. Can you differentiate between the two? Well, it depends. Like there's people that do life coaching that take the basics of psychology and help people sort of balance their life. In our field of sports psychology, I guess the term we use now is mental performance consultant. And that's people who work in a sport domain. We take our research and our findings from sport and apply it to sport because, you know, optimizing performance in a high-performance sport environment is very different than other areas of life. So in our field, mental performance coaches are becoming a lot more prevalent, and most of the professional teams are now using one as well. Uh, I want to take you back into the uh, the mid-90s when I was on Global doing the Leafs games, and the Leafs were bad. They had a, a tough time then, and they had a psychologist that traveled around with them, and, and I would assume just to keep people from you know, being focused properly, but it has to be much more than, than that now, isn't it? Yeah, there's so much going on. I mean, the athletes that I work with, there's you know, social media, and they can't hide anywhere. It's, there's, there's, there's nowhere to hide. They're under the microscope. People that aren't sports reporters are commenting on them. So really, somebody in our field is really helping them balance life. It's where, if they're still a student, it's their academic life, their, what goes on in their personal life, and then their sport life because they all collide, and sometimes they need someone to talk to somebody who's unbiased, who's, you know, going to tell them things sometimes they don't want to hear, but help them out. Dr. Bloom, for uh, people looking at athletes making millions upon millions of dollars, it's sometimes I think is hard for them to relate to these athletes. And yet maybe you can explain how if you separate all the money, these athletes are just people and they're dealing with difficulties and they sometimes need help. Oh, you're spot on. And and sometimes we do think of them as superhuman, right? Like these athletes that are invincible and, and, and they can, they're not immune to what goes on in our lives. And so often we don't realize what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, I've worked with NHL teams. I've worked with Olympic athletes and people that are making lots of money or won medals have a lot of prestige, but you know what? They go through the same day-to-day life hassles that we go through like you said, sometimes the money is definitely comes into play and they have to learn. There's different things that come into play on how they deal with it. But these people are going through the same personal situation that all of us go through. And, you know, I'll never forget one example. I was working with an athlete 
she was ready, getting ready to go to the 2002 Winter Olympics. And we had our last meeting. It was about six weeks before the Olympics. The team was going to be leaving to travel. And she came in and she was very despondent. And I was like, you know, what's wrong with you? She goes, well, my parents told me last night that, you know, they're getting a divorce and probably right after the Olympics. And I just went, oh, boy. First of all, I couldn't believe parents would tell their daughter this the day before she leaves. But, you know, you got to quickly change change the focus of what you're going to talk about and, and try and help the athlete deal with it and, and cope with this. And, and people who watched her in the Olympics didn't know that she was going through this, but it was a tough time. Well, I mean, that's the world we live in, right? I mean, we narrow everything. We just look at the performance and, quite frankly, quite judgmental about the performance. But this is a person. I've often said in the past that we have to add the humanity back to the analysis because, you're, you're, I mean, really it's destructive. And so if you've got a, a highlight, which is you know part of the business I was in, but you, if you have a highlight of Pascal Siakam, uh, three games in a row on a buzzer beater, and it goes into the basket and, and comes out, all of a sudden – uh, he's looked at negatively. I mean, how do you how do you deal with that that situation? You know, one of the things I try and do when I work with the athletes is is focus on the positive and and keep them grounded. So never get too high when things are going really really well, but also don't get too low when you know when you're going through a tough time and realize there's going to be highs and lows. And I think the good athletes are able to sort of keep their focus and maintain their you know, their positive attitude. And that's really what it comes down to is when an athlete struggles, I'll get them to think about, okay, so what can you do to make yourself better? And they usually they'll say, well, you know, do some extra work in the weight room, maybe take some extra shots in the gym, stay on the ice a little bit longer. And I say, that's right. If you do everything that you can do within your control to make yourself better, then you should go into the next game being positive and saying, I've prepared, I'm ready to go, and, and just erase the last failure from your mind. Dr. Blue, maybe you can explain how you have the situation where a, a player, for example, is doing really well for a coach. The coach gets fired, like we've seen in Calgary. A new coach comes in there, and all of a sudden, this player is no longer as important as he was before. What are the, what are the comments that would be said to that player to psychologically help him through that? Well, one of the things that I'll say to players is control what you can control. So, for example, can you control how much ice time a coach gives you, for example, if you're on PP1 or PP2, and the athlete will say no, and I say it exactly. What can you control, you know, the flow of the game and if it's going to be suitable to your style of play, which may dictate how many minutes you get on, and they'll say no, and I say that's right. So don't focus on those things. Focus on what you can control, and they'll say, well, you know, what kind of stuff is that? I said, what about in practice? You know, are you the hardest worker in practice? If you think the coaches and somebody that's supportive of you. So show him or her, if it's another context, you know, that this, that, that, that you're in it to win it and that you're going to go the extra mile to work harder, take some extra reps, spend some more time in the weight room, do some extra video. I just get the athletes basically to control things they can control to make themselves a better athlete. So if it's in the situation like in Calgary where Sutter's going to play you, you're ready to go. But if it doesn't work out and you go elsewhere, you know, you're, you're still at the top of your game. 
Okay, let's deal with the, the, the big word, the money word. And so there's millions of dollars here, and, and because there is, and everybody knows how to study a cap and the implications on a roster when somebody gets money. I mean, there's a lot of judgment that goes into a performance based on, on what people make, which to me is totally irrelevant. But it brings a lot of pressure to the athlete, uh, not only performance-wise, but socially and, and in their family. I mean, there, there are people that, that could use some of that money. I mean, there's a lot of pressure with this stuff. How, how do you deal with that? You know, you just talk to them about it, right? Like, you know, when they talk to their agent, there's a different edge that, that, that comes out. When they talk to a coach or a GM, they're coming at it from a different angle. So I think people in my shoes, we try, and, and I think you touched on it earlier, Jim, we sort of have this holistic approach of, okay, you know, I'm working with you, trying to make you better. Let's talk about how you're feeling, what sorts of stuff is causing stress to you. And if it is stuff on the money, what we'll try and do is help them focus on other things. And, you know, you can't control some things, but you can control how you focus, what you think about, if you're going to bring positive energy to the rink every day or the field, whatever it is. So really, I just talk to them about what's on their mind. And if I think it's something that might inhibit their performance, I'll teach them how to park it or move it to the back of the brain and put things in the front of the brain that you can control that are going to make you a better person and a better athlete. We're talking about money now. Maybe you can explain how some players are money players. They rise to the occasion, whether it comes to the playoffs or a big game, and why some others can't. Yeah, and, you know, it, it is true, right? Like, there are some players that perform better under pressure. And it's tough to teach that. I mean, I've talked to coaches a lot about it, and, I remember before I was working at McGill, I was working at a university in California, and we had um, a baseball coach there that I was working with, and the team was getting ready to go play some games in Latin America where it tends to be a lot louder and more boisterous than they're used to in the United States. And the coach was like having the people at the field blare music over the loudspeakers while the players were practicing and the coach would try and simulate pressure situations, saying, okay, you know, now you're coming up, bases loaded, three and two, show me your best pitch. So I, I think as a good coach, you can try and create situations that put athletes in high-pressure positions and see if they can focus and come through. But in the end, a lot of it comes down to how they do in competition. And for me, if an athlete has done well in competition – because you're always going to have failure, then I'll, I'll, I'll focus on that. I mean, I don't know the exact quote, but I know Michael Jordan once said that people would be surprised how many game-winning buzzer-beater shots I actually missed. And I saw the stats. The numbers were quite high. But we all remember MJ obviously taking that last-second shot, draining it, winning the game as the greatest player ever of all time. But he missed a lot of tough shots, too, at the end of the game. And it's just how you deal with adversity, how you bounce back, and and yes, some players are better at it than others. You hear the expression mental health so much these days. When high-profile athletes admit that they have you know, issues with uh, depression or, or some kind of uh, issue like that, does that help to normalize it for the general public? You know, I, I give athletes so much credit who are coming out and talking about mental health issues. You know, I've been working in high-performance sport for almost 30 years. And it's always been a sort of a secret, something that hasn't been talked about. And there's, you know, with the Bell program that's coming out and 
and and other hockey and not and, and not other sport associations having programs called Let's Talk or Talk Today. Athletes are starting to talk about it and and getting the help that they need, um, which usually is from somebody who has a specialization in clinical psychology. But the mental health is a big thing, and these athletes are in high pressure environments. I would say today with social media and the craziness that happens, it's even more stressful for them. So we need to provide support for these athletes. We need to realize and recognize that they suffer too, just like other people. And for me, the more of them that talk about it and the more we make this something that you shouldn't be ashamed of, the better off we're all going to be. Doctor, really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Anytime, guys. Have a great weekend. Take care. Thank you. You too. That's Dr. Gordon Bloom, lab director from the McGill Sports Psychology Department. And, and Perry, I got to say that, you know, in, in my day, uh, you wanted to be a sports broadcaster, uh, and for obvious reasons. Uh, today, I would suggest to you that sports psychology might be a pretty good line of work to get into. Well, I guess if, you under, if you're good at school, like, let's be honest now, there's a difference between becoming a sportscaster and becoming a doctor of psychology or whatever form it is so I, I think what's more relevant to me is as I said before we in sports dealing every day with an athlete who's dealing with a problem and when we go to a sports psychologist to help them to under, un, help us to understand what exactly is all about well we've just been given an example right now of, of a you know of a psychologist that's really helping us to understand all that stuff yeah, absolutely. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial Advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 30 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money and get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Up next, Ken Christina talking tennis. This is Yes Guy. TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Now back to the Yes Guy Show. Yes Guy. On TSN 1050. This segment of Yes Guy is sponsored by Murray Hoffman Insurance Limited. Since 1957, Murray Hoffman Insurance has been providing all your general insurance needs while specializing in business insurance. The dedicated staff of Murray Hoffman Insurance takes pride in servicing the harder-to-place industry segments like cannabis, hospitality, vacant, and old buildings, and other hard-to-place business. For a no-obligation quote, call them at 416-736-9066 and mention the Yes Guy Show or visit their website, murrayhoffmaninsurance.com. Murray Hoffman Insurance, let us provide you with some peace of mind. Jim Taddy, Perry Lefko with you on the Yes Guy Show, and we're going to bring in now my Tennis Talk Canada co-host, Ken Christina, Director of Tennis at the Mayfair Clubs. Ken, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim and Perry. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure, and of course, we're now going to talk about Layla Annie Fernandez, now known as Layla Fernandez, and her first win on the uh, professional tennis tour at, at Monterey a week ago, and, and a pristine performance, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely, Jim. She played outstanding tennis the entire week in Monterey. Didn't drop a set at the WTA 250 event. You know, the big difference in her game over where she was a year ago on tour in her in her first real year on tour and where she is now, she spent a considerable amount of time working on being more aggressive. She's a little stronger. She's got more fit, um, hitting the ball a little harder, taking the ball earlier, 
and uh, it's put more pressure on her opponent to hit better shots. Really impressed with how she played throughout the uh, week in Monterey, and um, I-, I think the sky's the limit for this this young player. As a lefty, it's a, it's a big advantage on tour. There's fewer lefties that are out there, and she's going to establish even you know more um, positive parts of that lefty style of her game with her serve, with her forehand attacking and. Uh, I'm really looking forward to watching her develop over the next five to ten years, that's for sure. Can anyone who's followed Canadian tennis, specifically on the women's side, have seen a, a, a lot of good ones come through? Uh, Carling Bassett, Helen Kellesey, uh, even right now with Bianca. So where does Layla stand in terms of what you think she will do? That's a great question, Perry. You know, she... She's talked about getting into the top 20 and even the top 10 by the end of this year. I'm not sure that that's going to be possible. That's a pretty high, lofty goal, in my opinion. She's currently ranked number 72 in the world on the WTA Tour after her great showing in Monterey last week. I think that she is going to be, within the next uh, 18 months, I think she'll be battling Bianca for which of the two will be the top Canadian on the WTA Tour. There'll be a lot of listeners that'll probably sit there and think, I, I don't agree with that. If that's okay, that's my opinion. And I, uh, I challenge anybody to kind of, uh, you know, have a conversation on that front. Some of the things that she's doing really well, and she's kind of stole a little bit, let's say, from watching Bianca, is she's changing the pace nicely. She's adding in the drop shots to make her opponent move around the court. And um, she's, she's developed a little bit, as I mentioned earlier, a little bit more of an aggressive attitude when she's playing. And you know, Bianca's uh, certainly a force to be reckoned with, but the great news is, as we've seen on the men's side, is as Layla gets better, it's only going to push Bianca to get better and to try and stay ahead of her to be that top-ranked Canadian. So there's, there's great things ahead, but uh, I think she'll be top 10 in the world, but I don't think it's going to happen this year for sure, maybe next year or the year after. Wow, that's the original hot take that that Layla and Bianca would be, but would be one, two, uh, two different players. But but I mean, you know, what you're identifying there is is something that Canadian tennis has struggled with a bit in the past of of having the raw talent and then being able to take it to the top level. That's that's a tough one, isn't it? Yes, absolutely, Jim. And unfortunately for tennis in this country, it's a you know it's a fair weather sport, so to speak, and that you know our winters are so harsh that you can't play tennis outside. Although certainly through the pandemic, we've seen more and more people trying to do that. But the beauty of having Bianca doing so well and Jeannie doing so well, and on the men's side with Milos and Daniel Nestor and Vashik and Felix and and Dennis and and a few others, it, there's more and more kids that are playing the game. So, you know, not only are these young players inspiring the next generation of Canadians coming along as well. But there's so many kids that are getting into the game of tennis. It's the number one growth sport right now in the USA. I believe it's number one right now as well in Canada. Uh, It's a perfectly socially distant sport. So more young families are are putting their kids in the game. And that's only going to prove to be a better long-term for the growth of this sport in this country. But, you know, getting back to Bianca and Layla, um, they're both fierce competitors. They both work really, really hard. And they both have a, a style of play that will be tricky for people to compete against. So, you know, they're going to go down, but they're going to go down swinging when they, when they do go out and play and, and possibly lose a match. But the, the sky is the limit for, for both of those young, young ladies on tour. Well, you just mentioned about Bianca, and she had a tremendous rise there, but she's been hurt time and time again. Does it have to do with something with her training, or is she just unlucky? 
Well, it's a great question too, Perry, because, you know, you look at Milos Raonic and his, he's had a lot of injuries too. They seem to be the oblique, the, the legs. Um, you know, Bianca's team keeps her injuries a little bit more hush-hush, but, you know, her knee was bugging her for a little bit there. I think Bianca's in the greatest physical condition that she's ever been in. I think she could run for days out on the tennis court. She's worked so extremely hard. Um, but I'm not sure. Are we training these young Canadian athletes the right way for tennis? Are we missing a couple things? You know, you look at, at some of the top players in the game, and, you know, they have some nagging injuries here and there, but they're, they're not hurt or not hurt as often as maybe a Milos is or Bianca is. Um, I think she's probably just had bad luck because I know how hard she's working and I'm fairly familiar with what's going on behind the scenes. So I think it's just bad luck. But, you know, let's, let's um, watch her develop. She's in Miami this week. She won her second round match, 7-6-6-2. She's moving on to the third round and playing against the number 28 seed. She's currently seeded number eight in the event at the Miami Open. Can she get to where she was last year? I, I think it's tough for any player to get to that level in, in light of what's going on in the world and the, the bubbles that these players are living in and the lack of tournaments that are being played and the, and the, and the difficulty in traveling. But um, I certainly think she's fitting to be in the top ten in the world. And uh, what a joy to watch and what a, uh, a great young lady. So it's, uh, it's certainly exciting times, that's for sure. You know, I gave you a list before of the top women's uh, Canadian tennis players that I can remember. I neglected to say Eugenie Bouchard. So let's evaluate where is she right now? Is she a, a she a young woman who just got caught up too much in the limelight and it, you know, she lost her focus? And is there any way for her to get back to where she was? You know, I think maybe two years ago I would have said agreed and said yes. I think she got caught up in the limelight. But after I've seen how hard she's working and, and, and talking to a few more people and, and talking to Jeannie and, and seeing Jeannie around the National Bank Open in Toronto and, and kind of, uh, you know, how she is with people, I would say it's more effective. Maybe she had a great run and, and wasn't quite as good as we thought she was. And, you know, not saying that to slam her, but I don't know that she was a Grand Slam finalist, you know, maybe a quarterfinalist or a semifinalist. I think she just had a couple of tourneys where she really had a, a great run there. I think where Jeannie probably, if she's healthy and where she should settle in right now with her game, she's probably in the top 35 to 40 range. Um, she's injured again, unfortunately. But again, there's another uh, young player who's worked extremely hard through the lockdown and the pandemic, and she's as fit as she's ever been. Um, you know, rumor has it she's dating the backup quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm sure they're, you know, that helps being with another athlete and, and training on your off days. Um, I, you know, I'm impressed with how well she's done and how she's kind of gone to these faraway places to play these tournaments when, you know, she's, she's done well financially and she's been in the limelight. And it's tough now to kind of go and play those satellite events where there's, you know, three people in the stands. But, uh, Kudos to her. She's doing it, and uh, she's back as strong as I've seen her play in a long, long time. So I think she's going to rise back up the rankings when she's healthy again. Kenny, thanks very much. Talk soon, buddy. No problem. Loving the show, guys. Keep it rolling.
Thank you very much. That's Ken Christina, Director of Tennis at the Mayfair Clubs. And our next Tennis Talk Canada will air right here on TSN 1050, May 15th, setting up the French Open. This segment of Yes Guy is sponsored by Murray Hoffman Insurance Limited. Since 1957, Murray Hoffman Insurance has been providing all your general insurance needs while specializing in business insurance. The dedicated staff of Murray Hoffman Insurance takes pride in servicing the harder-to-place industry segments like cannabis, hospitality, vacant, and old buildings and other hard-to-place business. For a no-obligation quote, Call them at 416-736-9066 and mention the Yes Guy Show or visit their website, murrayhoppininsurance.com. Murray Hoppin Insurance, let us provide you with some peace of mind. Oh, no! Yes Guy, No Guy is next. This is the Yes Guy Show, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. You're listening to the Yes Guy Show. Yes Guy. On TSN 1050. Yes, guy. No guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the officially sanctioned, all rights reserved, Yes Guy Show edition of Yes Guy, No Guy. Go ahead, sir. Freddie Anderson's injury, whatever it is, is reason for concern. Um, I'm going to say yes, guy, just because it's weird. I mean, he, he admitted he was hurt. He admitted he could play, and he did, and... Now he's not. So, yes, guy. I don't know what that is. Generally, if you're injured and you play, it's because you can't make it any worse. But apparently it did get worse. So, yeah, an emphatic yes, guy. How about you? I think it is because now you're putting a lot of pressure on a goalie who hasn't played a lot and he's played okay at times. I think this is a cause for concern and may be a reason why Kyle Dubas shops for a goalie. Well, you, you can never have too many goalies, that's for sure. Yes guy, no guy. The Raptors were correct to keep Kyle Lowry. Yes guy. And I say that because they have options. If you had traded them, you basically didn't get the players you wanted. That's all Masai Ujiri was looking at. Can I get the value I want? And if not, I'll keep them and we'll deal with it after the, rig- after the, you know, the season, assuming they don't get into the playoffs, which I don't think they will. Okay, well, I think they did the right thing. There was one Masai Ujiri line that absolutely raised my eyebrows, and that said nobody seemed to understand what Kyle brings to the table. And I thought, okay, if you're going to admit that, and that's a true statement, then then maybe there's a way to keep him as a Raptor because if he's going to go somewhere else, they're, they're not going to understand what he's capable of. I mean, the man's basically a playing coach and the best player in franchise history. it has got to be a way to make that work. Go ahead, sir. Match play is more exciting than stroke play. Um, no guy. I'm just a traditionalist, and I know they both go back. I just like stroke play. I mean, that's that's how we play. Match play is uh, it can it can drift. I guess stroke play can too. So I didn't make any sense there, but uh, no guy. Well, I would differ with you. If we're just watching the PGA as we are this weekend, match play is way more exciting because it forces a, a player to match the other player, whereas. Before, you could miss a hole, bogey, whatever, you make it up on the next hole. This is like sudden death stuff. I like it a lot. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to say a name here. So, yes guy, no guy, Oscar De La Hoya. <laughs> guy, what, what is a question that, that doesn't have a yes or a no? What is well, your question? Does. Well, he's trying to come back. He wants to fight. In, in July, after what? Well, why didn't years you say of, that? Because I thought a... you were. I thought you were up on the boxing world. You're. You're the. You're the pugilist here. So, no, I'm yes, not. Guy. I'm a wrestling guy. I'm into <laughs> WrestleMania. Come on, guy. That wasn't a question. 
I'm yes. deleting it. You have to ask another question that has a yes or a no. Yeah, no, okay. I've told you he's trying to come back after 13 years out of the ring. So, yes guy, no guy, Oscar De La Hoya. No guy. This is just ridiculous. Why would you do that? Well, why did you ask the question then if you knew it was ridiculous? (laughs) Well, why do you you want to boxing coming back from a boxing retirement? I mean, are you kidding me? Why? Maybe he needs the money. Okay. Well, I know, but uh, does he need the damage? I mean, that is just that's the golden boy. Come on, man. (laughs) I know, but he's tarnished now. Well, maybe he'll fight somebody like they'll 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 make a some kind of a super match and he'll make a truckload of money but i personally won't be investing any of my money in that okay we got 30 seconds left hit me with another one you're excited about wrestlemania no guy not into the wrestling scene <laughs> now we got Come 25 on, seconds Did you left. grow up at some point in your life you don't like wrestling i just uh, my wrestling was all fake <laughs> oh man you just you're saying wrestling is fake no, 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 it wasn't my time. When I was a kid, I used to love that stuff. The Tolis Brothers were my favorites. Oh, wow, we're going back in time, man. Come on. <laughs> yes, yes, we are going way back. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for. So join us next week for another edition of Yes Guy on TSN 1050 and TSN1050.ca. Yes Guy! <laughs>